last year was when I had gained a bit of traction with a viral video and it was using an explanation of um, the fact that I had been doing 5k every day for almost three years and I hadn't lost a pound. And so some of the comments of the trolls in the video were, oh, you must be eating uh, more on the side or hiding food and you're promoting obesity and people may think that I never want to lose weight and that's incorrect. The reason I have postponed any emphasis on weight loss is because I first had to clear the weight between my ears. Mm -hmm. The mental weight that I've been carrying around, which is why any weight loss that I've tried in the past never worked. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, geriatric physical therapist, weight loss coach, and passionate disease prevention expert. I used to struggle with emotional eating, sugar cravings, and consistency. Then I learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all with a low insulin lifestyle. Each week on the Reshape Your Health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte, and today I'm super pumped about our guest, Sandra McCulloch. So Sandra is with us today and she, I love her Instagram content. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, I share her stuff a lot. And she is a plus size runner, a mom of four, uh, and she lives in Canada. And I just wanted to have her on to talk about her journey through uh, childhood trauma and how she's used exercise um, to heal herself, you know, heal herself emotionally and mentally and gain, you know, an inner strength and beauty that she did not know existed. Um, so I think it's going to be a really fun conversation and I thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Morgan. Um, thank you for sharing your space with me and I really appreciate being asked to join you on this podcast. It's an honor. Thank you. Oh, I'm excited. So let's get started from the beginning. You know, if you follow you on Instagram, you talk a lot about trauma and that you're using your exercise routine now for your mental health. So where does that come from? Let's kind of start at the beginning with whatever you're comfortable sharing. I'm 47 years old and I started running at 43. Before 43, I was always exercising in some form, whether it was, you know, too consistent or not consistent enough. I would start and stop many times. I would, you know, do three days in a row and then not do it for five days. Um, So I, I have always been active in some way. And then, you know, after each pregnancy, I'd go on that um, path of, oh, I got to lose the baby fat, blah, blah, blah. So there was always exercise in my life in some form or another. And even as a child, I played a lot of sports, but I was always a big girl. Like I was never not, uh, I think in grade seven or grade eight, I was a size 12. And back then I thought I was huge gosh, (laughs) you know, our perceptions as children, it's just unbelievable. And now I would like, I'd be like, yeah, damn. But you know, that's, that's, oops, 
Oops, I said I wouldn't. <laughs> I did. I did warn her. I was like, typically we don't cuss on this podcast, but I know that you do. Okay. So audience, this is your heads up. If she lets one slip, you have been warned. So <laughs> yes. keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, that's kind of like my baseline was that I was always in some shape or form active. And we moved to a new city uh, from Vancouver with our four kids. And we, we bought a home here in 2011. And so my husband worked away for two weeks on and one week he was home. So I didn't have time to go to a gym. And that's when I started uh, building up my exercise equipment in my home. So, you know, I had a, uh, one of those cross country ski machines, and then I had some weights and I had um, my laptop down there and I would use YouTube channels. And that was like in, you know, 2017. Um, And eventually through the power of social media. And I I truly believe the way you curate the things that you watch on TV even, or on your social media will influence you. And the reason I say that is because as I was, you know, watching those YouTube channels and doing like 15, 20 minute workouts, I ended up finding these fitness people as I joined Instagram in 2018, or uh, sorry, 2017, I joined Instagram, but I I would go from YouTube and find them on Instagram, and I liked their page. So slowly, I started curating my feed to have only like fitness influencers, but not diet influencers. Mm -hmm. I never had diet influencers, because, you know, I, I would have the occasional recipe on there, but it was more fitness individuals who showed me their strength that's just what I liked and so I ended up getting a treadmill in 2017 which obviously changed my life Um, and as I spent more time on that treadmill what I started doing on it was I started speed walking I didn't start with running I started speed walking I started watching documentaries and that's where my um, interest in running kind of like was discovered. And so I pressed the button on the speed, uh, on the treadmill and it started going faster and faster, obviously not super fast, but just, you know, jogging. And so I, I spent quite a bit of time down there in 2017, March 16th, 2018, I turned 43 And I went outside, Morgan, for my first run ever in public. I came back. I, I, you know, crossed my heart. I came back a different person. That day, I ran seven kilometers outside. I stopped and, you know, walked a little bit. But I, I basically ran seven kilometers. I came back. I was like, oh, my gosh. What? is this euphoria? Uh What is this drug I just had? Because I had never, I mean, I I experienced that with doing like aerobics or like, you know, HIIT workouts, but this was something different. And that day I, uh, and, and even that week, I went and signed up for five outdoor races. Wow. 
Yeah, there was, um, there's a company here, kind of like, um, you know, Dick Sporting Goods or REI in, in the US, I guess would be comparable, or Roadrunners. They, it, it's a company called MEC, M-E-C, and they put on these really cheap races. So I signed up for five. So my first trail race was 10 kilometers of three, no, not 3,000 feet. Um, sorry, about, about, uh, I'd say about a thousand and a half feet of elevation gain. That was my first run because that's the way I am. And that's kind of like, I don't want to say people who have trauma, but that's kind of like we go big or we go home. Uh-huh. Like there is no in between. You either do it or you don't. Um, and really that 2018, that was the first year that I started running. I had, I ended up doing those five trail races uh, in that mix was two half marathons. I did my first marathon. So I started running outside in March of 20. 20- 18 I did my first marathon in November of 2018 in Seattle died died and came back from heaven (laughs) (laughs) totally transformed I think it was the when you go into a a porta potty and you come out you are not the same person that was the transformation but completely worth it and and truly that was the year that changed my life 2019 was another fantastic year of races and and going back to curating your feed, which is super important. In that year of 2018, my first run year, that was where almost every single person on my Instagram was a runner. And that was where I found the term streak. And I was following, yes, yeah. So I was following a couple from Australia who were doing five kilometers every day. It was a husband and wife. And they were about, mm, I think think they were two years ahead of me. And I had decided on January 1st, 2019, I'm going to do a 5K streak. But the traditional definition of a streak is a one mile run every day. And I thought, you know what? What if I don't feel like running every day? So I'm going to make my own definition of a streak. And my definition is, and of course, I didn't do one mile, which is 1.6 kilometers. I was like, I'll just do 5K every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I just don't know why. I could have done three kilometers. Like, why? But so somehow it just worked. And, and the reason I changed the definition slightly for myself was because I, was, I said, you know, what if I want to walk one day? Yeah. What if we're traveling and I need to break it up into two, two and a half kilometer segments and I'm in between airports. And that's truly what happened because yeah. there's, there's, I remember I was on a ferry one night. I had left it to the last minute. I was on a ferry one night and I didn't realize when you turn on your watch, the stupid watch follows the ferries, not. Oh. So, it was, so, it was, so my watch starts going, the speed starts going stu- super fast. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't even use. So I had to turn off my watch, but I knew my watch still counts my steps. And I know exactly how many steps is five kilometers. So I, I took a screenshot and I was like, you know what? That's okay. So that's, that's how the streak was formed. Gotcha. It literally was formed through osmosis of other people influencing me. And then me taking that and um, tailoring it to what I needed and what would work for me. Now, hindsight, in 2019, I did not know that that would be the hardest year ever 
which is where I discovered how important that would be to uncovering my trauma. Why was that year so hard when your trauma kind of happened in childhood for you? So in those 5k walks or runs, what I did was I, I would listen to podcasts or audiobooks. And um, one of the books that um, I started listening to, because I, I was kind of starting to, so as you start a streak or anything that you start, and what happens is, so your nervous system controls your brain. We think the brain controls everything, but it doesn't. Your nervous system holds all of your experiences, all of your feelings, all of your thoughts about yourself. I didn't know this. I just learned this, but um, hindsight again, I, I didn't know that this was going to happen to me. So what happened in the first you know, three months of this 5K a day was um, my mind started saying to me, what, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Do you think you're special or something? Like, who do you think you are? And I was just like, mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And so I was trying to figure out like, what is going on with me? What is this rejection that I'm experiencing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so I was looking through audible and I was trying to find like any kind of books. And I came across the book, the body keeps score by Dr. Vessel van der Kelk. And I came to a spot in the audio book where he talked about three ways to heal trauma. The first way is counseling therapy. The second way is medicine, which I was taking at that time. I've been on uh, anxiety medicine for eight years and it's changed my life, but it wasn't enough. Um, and the third way, which is this quote that I forever have since then remembered and I keep repeating it to myself, and this is what changed me at that point in 2019 was use your body to have visceral experiences that contradict the helplessness and rage you feel. What I was doing with my body by walking five kilometers or running five kilometers every day was I was contradicting the helplessness that I had felt prior to that, I was contradicting the low self-worth I had felt prior to that. Every time I completed that, that 5K, it was a check mark that I was in fact good. I was in fact worthy that I was not a quitter, that I was not useless. And I don't mean to say that I was, I'm, I'm not useless, but and this is where the trauma came in. So when you are raised by people who have such high hopes for you that they don't know how to express any better than the very primitive language that they were given by their own parents, that you are not um, living up to their expectations than by putting you down. And they think by putting you down, they're being constructive in their criticism and they're not. 
And that's where the act of completing this 5K every day started to rebuild my self-worth. It started to reconfirm to me that I am in fact a doer, a completer, somebody who finishes something as opposed to what I had thought of myself my entire life up until that point as somebody who is not a completer. Hmm. Because I always quit things. Like I quit my education. I quit. Um, I, I don't mean I like, I mean, I've done some pretty amazing things in my life. I've, I've run franchises. I've opened up franchises for other countries for a large fast food chain. But in my own mind, I was still, I, I didn't live up to that expectation they had of me. And that is where if you can try and picture a house being rebuilt brick by brick, that is in fact what I've been doing for the last four years. I've been rebuilding my own house brick by brick, little bit of, of, of concrete in between each brick, slowly but surely. And there are still moments where cracks come through the brick and I, that's normal, but that's what this journey has meant for me. And when you make a promise to your body and you actually do it, you restore trust between yourself and your soul, mm -hmm. your nervous system, because your nervous system wants to protect you at all costs. And I'll give you an example of um, even another huge goal that I had achieved was the magazine. Yeah. Tell us I about that. Yeah. So 2018 was that, sorry, 2019 was that first year of the 5k. And that was like the kind of like the healing, the, the healing of myself. 2020 was, um, was like, okay, all right, I can do this a second year. And my brain was like, uh, why do you need to do this again? Like, okay, we gave you one year. You don't need to do this a second year. And I was like, shut your mouth. We mm -hmm. are going to do this again. Literally, this is the self-talk that's going through my brain. It is. It is. And it you, truly, I, you don't have to believe every thought that pops into your brain. And I think you're such a good example of that. Like how many times has your brain been like, oh, Sandra, you can skip a day. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, you can just do, you know, like 3K today. I mean, you've got to constantly be beating down that inner voice in your head that's um, not acting in alignment with your goal, you know? It is, it is so true. The, and, and when you think that you've conquered one thing, something else will come up. And that was the other thing that I couldn't believe. I was like, hold on a second. You mean after two years of five K's, I'm not healed. Like, uh, what do you mean? I'm not healed. I'm... No, no. You're like an onion and <laughs> every single layer is, is like 10 years. Wow. Of, you're, you're truly like an onion in the sense of how many layers you have. So Anyhow, 2020 was like, yeah, okay, we're going to do this a second year. And then 2021, I was like, yeah, I was balling. I was like, okay, you're the, you're, you're, you're just flying lady. It was truly like a, you know, the peaks and valleys that we talk about where we're down in the valley sometimes, 
But 2021, I was on the peak. I was like, yeah, I'm going to come up with a clothing line and I'm going to, I'm going to be an influencer. <laughs> I'm going to, and then I got the brilliant idea of doing a magazine. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to do a magazine. So at the end of 2021, I was, you know, working on the magazine with a couple of people and uh, found a local printer. We printed the magazine. And in 2022, I published the magazine and shipped it out. Well, after the magazine, I crashed. Kind of like what happens to people after they finish a marathon. There is such a thing as marathon depression. You can look it up. It's a thing. I had post-magazine publishing depression. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, you know, you can, you can uh, equate it to any goal. Like uh, graduating university, finishing your doctorate. Now what? Right. You have to go and do something with the thing you just did. You just it just because you get a degree doesn't mean that it's going to sit there and it's going to magically do something for you. You physically still have to work it. Mm -hmm. And so after I did the magazine, I was like. Oh, you're not going to do a second one. You were you just you were you were only able to do the first one. Don't think you're going to do a second one. And those were the thoughts that came attacking me. And was there some seasonal depression in there from, you know, low vitamin D? Probably. But that was truly what happened. And that's what I mean about <sighs> healing is like this long road trip. And it just freaking doesn't end. You're constantly driving. Sometimes you get off. Sometimes you find a nice spot to take a picture at. And you get back in the car and you got to keep driving. And then sometimes you have to fill up your car because you're running out of gas. Sometimes you have to take the car in for service. But truly, that is what life is all about. And my nervous system, after I published that first issue, was like, nope. You are not doing this a second time. You think you're going to have a quarterly magazine? Who do you think you are? You were only good enough to publish one issue. Don't get yourself all, all uh, riled up in a... Um, yeah, know, show us. 30, if you're not watching it, it's a, it's a big magazine. And you made it because you didn't see runners like yourself on the cover. No. Right? So can you kind of speak into that too of like, why did you feel so called for to do a magazine? You know, what space are you filling in the running world, which you certainly are? I, the, the happiness that you feel when you start to heal yourself, you want to share, at least for me, yeah. I wanted to share with as many people as I possibly could. I wanted to, uh, gosh, um, there was a, there is a friend of mine who's a leggings designer. She designs leggings. She's a mom. She has one child. She's married. And this is her life. She designs leggings. And I wanted to, I put her ad on the back of the magazine because my dream was not only to publish a magazine that was supporting people who come in all shapes and sizes and exercise, but I truly wanted to let other women shine. There's 25 articles in there of, of people who wanted to write, you know, 
stuff about themselves. I was like, talk about yourself. Talk about your greatest achievement or your biggest loss. Talk about your greatest race or your biggest fail. Just write whatever you want. And that's what I felt was missing in um, the magazines today that are bombarded with, um, there's no good self-promotion. There's no, it's all about business. It's all about, um, you know, stocks with the large companies, but there isn't truly anything where people are talking about their life experiences that you can actually gain something good from reading that. Mm -hmm. and 32 pages later that's what this turned into and we're I'm coming out with a second issue yay (laughs) putting that out there that's right uh and you know what for the first two years okay it's an annual magazine that's right oh you know like whatever this one will be ready probably um you know between fall and winter but uh, closer to winter, but you know what? Maybe next year I'll get up. I'll get the um, uh, the courage to do two issues. And I guess it kind of is the same way as my road to my five k. Mm-hmm. It or your road to a marathon. It doesn't happen all at once. It truly mm-hmm. has to happen like gradually. And anything that. Um, you do, you want to build momentum uh, doing it because that momentum will carry you. Yeah, I think I know that we um, have a shorter episode today, but I'd love to invite you back on when the magazine is going to be going live and, and have another chat. But I think the last thing that I really wanted to touch on today were some of the fears that you had to get over and I was reading through a blog post and I wanted to kind of read this back to you because I really resonated with it. Um, I always felt like an imposter because I looked different. I was big, manly sized. And at a young age, I had facial hair above my top lip. It was enough to create so much insecurity in me to last a lifetime. And I remember in eighth grade, I was bigger. I mean, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm five, eight. I think I was like 150 pounds in eighth grade already. And it's like, you know, when you're bigger boned, that can be intimidating to the boys. Um, I was more athletic than a lot of the eighth grade boys. I was faster. And so one of them called me manly Morgan and I'm, I kid you not. And he said, um, even worse things that I won't repeat on this podcast. Uh And when someone calls you manly and you're a little girl that cuts and it's like, Mm -hmm. So I got earrings and a necklace and I wore it every day for the rest of the year. And I don't think I talked to him the rest of our, you know, academic time together. And, um, so I really resonated with you with that. And I think there's a lot of things that people hear in childhood that they just carry with them. Um, and I think that it instills in us a fear of criticism. So I think a couple things from your story that I really take out of it is you've had to get over that fear of criticism. I mean, in one of your blog posts, you talk about some of the nasty, nasty things that people have said about you because you are putting yourself out there and you're running and people are saying that you're promoting obesity and that you're not doing anything, you know, anything worth celebrating. Like one of the comments was like, oh, well, that's not a, what, what is that? Like I walk two th- or 20,000 steps a day and I'm like, <laughs> 
what a terrible person. And then I saw, then I blocked that psychopath and I'm like, good for you, Sandra. Um, and I think, uh, I don't know if you follow Brene Brown's work at all, but she has a great quote on like, I don't take advice from people in the cheap seats. Like, unless you're in the arena, getting your ASS kicked on occasion, I am not interested in your feedback. And I'm guessing that you're getting to that point too, of like, I'm going to do me and I'm not going to let a fear of criticism either from other people or myself or myself, hold me back anymore. So can you speak just a touch on how you've overcome some of those fears along the way to accomplish and be so consistent in your 5k a day streak here? Well, first of all, um, I mean, I think if you and I were the same age and we were in school together, we'd definitely be friends because you would have been Manly Morgan and I would have been Butch. Butch <laughs> so we would have made an played sports team. You would have been the guard and I was yep. center, which I played center. Yep. Uh, and I can't imagine like your legs, you probably have legs of steel. So I do. I'm really yes. strong. We counted the number of people I made cry in each soccer game instead of how many goals I scored. I couldn't kick the ball, but I could, they, I was like a brick. And if someone ran into me, they would just like fall. And I'd be like, yes. sorry, can I help you up? And my coach would be like, go Morgan, go. Don't help them up. Anyhow, and, and you know, back then we don't really realize those <laughs> those those things that we thought were weaknesses were actually strengths. And I thank God to this day that I am built the way that I am built. I am I am I was so upset that I was so tall, five eleven. You're five. In, I was wondering, you're tall. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm fairly tall, but you know, I was so embarrassed. I was always the tallest girl. Like even in my high school of grade eight to twelve, I was. I think the fourth tallest girl. And the guys would just have a field day with me, um, not to mention my mustache and whatever else. But I truly think they had a crush on me. So that was their way of expressing it. Just like that guy who said that to you, he couldn't think of anything else to say to you. But um, those are the things that unfortunately, you know, we we go through, we have to go through and um, they can shape us but they don't determine us. Mm -hmm. They don't, they are not the end result of who we are. They are just a small fraction of a pedestal and a platform that we're allowed to build off of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, unless you're getting outside of your comfort zone, which you also write about, you can't do that. You said the comfort zone is killing so many. It's stifling your growth before the abundance can happen. You have to open yourself up to some growth and discomfort. Um, so I just, I know that we're about out of time, but I wanted to personally thank you for inspiring me. I'm going to keep sharing your stuff. I think you're hilarious and I'm not I don't think I'm a funny person, but I appreciate a good sense of humor. And that's why I love your stuff so much is because you just poke fun at yourself. And you had one on like the first time I decided to run a one running a bra in my garage was like the best day of my life. And I'm like, oh. then the next day I wore a bra in my basement because it's like, well, who the heck cares? No one sees me. I know. Oh, and and that, and I know we're running out of time, but that was the other thing I wanted to 
say really quickly was my kids are watching. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you touched on that. We have three boys and one girl. My daughter, Morgan, is 5'11 and 115 pounds. She's a model. She looks like a model. She was a model, but she doesn't want to model anymore. But she is the exact opposite of me. And all I want to say is I thought I birthed the perfect girl. Do you know how many problems she has? (laughs) No, I don't. It's unbelievable how insecure she is at, and she is stunning. And I thought, truly thought that if I gave birth to a girl who was like perfect dimensions, she would be confident. And there is no size confidence. It comes from between your ears. And my sons are watching me and I want them to see that a woman can be any size and be confident in any size. And in front of my kids, I have never, ever mentioned the word diet. Yeah. Ever. You can ask yeah. any of my kids. I don't talk about diet. I don't talk about food or restricting anything like my mom used to. Yeah. My mom put me on a diet when I was like, grade six. And then she took me to Jenny Craig for my 15th birthday. She, she had the best intention, but people may think that I never want to lose weight. And that's incorrect. The reason I have postponed any emphasis on weight loss is because I first had to clear the weight between my ears, Mm -hmm. the mental weight that I've been carrying around, which is why Any weight loss that I've tried in the past never worked. Now, how much of it has to do with my medicine I'm taking for the past eight years, because I did lose 50 pounds in 2014. And then I started my medicine and I gained it all back. But also my son was diagnosed with autism, my youngest one. So that kind of, uh, you know, it it, life, right? It has a lot to do with all these things. Yeah, Yeah, life. And, And then we... We turned to food for comfort and my husband used to work out of town for 10 years. So I was by myself and I soothed myself with food. Yeah. With four As kids. I mentioned, with, with four kids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I went into auto, you know, autopilot, like how planes are flown, where they just go into autopilot. And that's what I would do for two weeks on. And then one week off, I would collapse and then go back to autopilot for two weeks. He worked, he did this for 10 years, worked in another. It's like if you, if you live, if you lived in Idaho, but then he worked in Nevada, I guess okay. like it, it was it's a two hour flight or away. So we did that for 10 years um, because that's just where the job was. Um, So yes. So that's the thing is it's not easy to run with 265 pounds. It's not easy to run with a hundred extra pounds because according to my size, my height, I should be around a healthy 165 to 180 roughly. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking model weight. I'm just talking maybe, you know, a normal size. And, um, but that's the way I look at it is that's another battle to fight when I'm ready. Yeah. I right now have finally realized that if you pick one battle at a time, you're going to be far more successful than if you try to skim the, if you try to eat the cake, without eating the icing first. You can't eat cake unless you eat the icing first. Again, another metaphor. (laughs) I love it though. People love metaphors. 
You like, do you know what I mean? Yes. You and cannot. I say all the time, like you cannot master your physical state until you learn how to master your mental and emotional state. And I I also like the analogy or the metaphor of driving a car is like trying to lose the physical weight without trying to lose the mental weight is like driving with one foot on the gas and one foot on the brake. That's right. You know, you're not going to go anywhere. And so I think you're so freaking wise to focus on the mental weight first and to develop the discipline of consistency, which is half the battle, more than half the battle, because then whatever strategy you want to try when you're ready to lose the physical weight, you'll have a chance of sticking to because you've learned to strengthen your consistency muscle. But I didn't want this episode to be about weight for you, but then you wanted to add in like, I want to lose the weight, but I need to lose the mental weight first. It's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Because, because you said people would assume that I don't want to lose weight. And from watching your content, I would have assumed that you know, because you show videos and you almost like, but, but I think you almost have to overdo that side of it for people to hear you, you know, to hear your message. Spot on that is. And, and how, how do you get a crowd to follow you unless you live your truth? And I'm not saying I'm trying to get a crowd to follow me. That's just what happened. But how do you get people to uh, drink the Kool-Aid unless you're drinking it yourself? And I'm trying to get people to drink the Kool-Aid of moving their body in the body that they have now. Use your body that you have now. You're going to master everything else later on. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. And, And the greatest metaphor I can say about this and why I know this is true, because Morgan, four years ago, if you asked me, if you were the number one marathon coach in the world and you gave me a marathon training plan and you said, here, Sandra, you're going to you're going to be successful with this. I would have quit because I was not ready to accept that I was worthy enough to follow that marathon training plan. Mm -hmm. And that's why I've never used a marathon training plan. I've always done it like, oh, oh, okay. No, I've ran my four marathons. I I ran. Yeah. Yeah. They were just like, okay, I'll just suffer the the consequences. Like my longest run for each of them was, you know, maybe 25 kilometers or um, 15 miles. And then I would do like a 10K here and a a 15K here or six miles or eight miles here. Um, I, I just did it the only way I knew how to do it, which was kind of like how I started the 5k. It was the only way that I knew how to do something by adapting it to who I was at that time. And now I'm on week three of a marathon training plan. I have not used any excuses. I have not talked myself out of it. I mean, we still have 18, 17 weeks to go, but I feel really good. Like I'm, I'm using a book to write my stuff down. And the reason that I think this all had to happen the way it was supposed to happen is because I needed to test this out myself in order to bring others along with me on the ride so that they can 
later on drink the Kool-Aid themselves. Mm-hmm. How am I going to, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen seven years from now or, or five years from now, but I know that something is happening. Something is gearing me up towards other bigger things, just like yourself. Mm-hmm. But in order for you to teach people, you have to live this truth yourself. Mm-hmm. I love So um, we were at church one day and our pastor gave this great message and he kind of said, God gives you a mess. And then you learn the message and then you become the messenger. And I really liked that linear flow because isn't that how it happens? I mean, we were, you asked me what I did, you know, for professional, I'm like, well, I do this now. Like I was a geriatric PT and I saw the mess of health conditions that insulin resistance caused. And then I realized, oh, I'm not that healthy. Like I had a lot of room to improve in my sugar intake and in my nutrition and like in my sleep and my stress management and my mindset, like you were talking about the mental weight. I mean, that's, that's pivotal. So you figure it out and then you share it with people. And I like just, and I, what, but what I really, really like about you is that you're inviting them in the mess along the way. And a lot of people wouldn't have the courage, myself included to do that. And I think that that's really what people relate to more than anything is the mess. I honestly think I can say as a overweight person, and I guess I'm clinically obese, because if you take like, according to some medical, whatever, which is fine, I don't care if I'm clinically obese or overweight or fat or whatever. But I think that most people who are in the same situation as I am, probably would feel lighter on their feet because I tread carefully when I say this if they were they would feel lighter on their feet if the weight was not there now having said that how easy it just how easy is it to take the weight off it's not so you're then left with a situation where you have to live with what you got Mm -hmm. at the moment Mm -hmm. so you've got two choices on how to live with what you got you can make the best of it or you can make the worst of it. And all I'm trying to do is encourage people to make the best of it with what you got now. And then if you decide that you are ready and you feel like the weight is a burden to you and you're ready to take it off, that's going to happen gradually. Yeah. I'm still waiting for that. (laughs) And I think that it's such a testament for people that do think, Oh, I'll just exercise more and the weight will come off. You say that all the time in your posts, like how many thousands of miles have you run without losing one pound? Like you're such a good, you're such a good example of that, that like, no, it's not exercise is so good for us for so many reasons, so many mental and hormonal and mitochondrial reasons, but weight loss, Mm. uh, Dr. Jason Fung, I don't know if you've read the book called the obesity code, but it's like one about insulin resistance. And it was kind of one that got me started on this insulin resistance path. And he says a quote in there, exercise is like brushing your teeth. It's good for us. And it should be done every day. Just don't expect to lose weight. And, you know, I think that that's just very true. And honestly, I could write a book on how to lose weight because Mm -hmm. I've lost 50 pounds, but it's easier said than done. 
it's easier said than done. And um, last year was when I had gained a bit of traction with a viral video and it was using an explanation of um, the fact that I had been doing 5k every day for almost three years and I hadn't lost a pound. And so some of the comments of the trolls in the video were, oh, you must be eating uh, more on the side or hiding food and you're promoting obesity. And it's still amazing to me that uh, a lot of these people or perceptions of overweight people think that we don't know how to lose weight. And we do know how to lose weight. It's just we're choosing. It's not that we're choosing not to. It's just that we can't. And, and we we're familiar with the fact that it's a calorie deficit. Of course, I know that I need to keep less calories, um, calories in versus calories out, right? Being in a calorie deficit versus my activity levels and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So this perception that overweight people are not very intelligent about weight loss is kind of sad. You have to have the capacity mentally for another change. You know, like you said, like Mm -hmm. you are working on so many good things. And I have to tell you one more thing that one of my clients said that I love. And I think that you're highlighting this so well with what you're producing in the magazine and then the content. Uh, She said, growing up, there was such an overemphasis that my mom placed on my appearance. And um, I'm trying to teach my child that how you look is the least interesting thing about you. Yes. Because what happens if, what happens if they get hurt? What happens if heaven forbid they have an injury and they get wheelchair bound and their body changes, you know? And so I think that that's like, I think that, um, that's something that I really appreciate from your content is like, just you know, living your best life, like no matter what, and not overemphasizing the weight and not overemphasizing the appearance, but really emphasizing how you feel and feeling good. And I think like, we need to, we need to praise you and acknowledge you for that because it's harder than it looks to create (laughs) just to do it. But then to create engaging content around it is a whole nother thing. So I just feel like, um, even though I don't have anything that I'm technically selling on uh, my social platforms, I'm doing it for the love of sharing and wanting other women. I get so many messages from women who say they've found the courage to sign up for a half marathon or, or to start even running or to do like a three minute run, one minute walk. And that's truly the best form of payment that you can get. Yeah. Because nobody can live on this world alone. We all need each other. You all need a we all need a form of social uh, connection. And truly, this has been something unexplainable. So it, it really has been unexplainable showing up and being vulnerable, like you said, and making connections that I know are just going to last a lifetime with people that have become friends, not just, you know, yeah. So anyhow, I okay. cannot explain how um, honored I am yeah. to have had this time to talk with you. Um, and I think I had mentioned it before, but you might edit it out. So it's www. 
bigfitmom.com mm-hmm. and bigfit I run on Instagram. Yes, perfect. And if you don't follow her on Instagram, please do it. She's just like such a joyful account to follow. Um, Sandra, I am so excited that we got this interview where I'm going to piecemeal it together, uh, from the post processing because yeah. <laughs> we had the client call in the middle and then period of time when you sounded like an alien, but I think it's going to be a great one. Um, I'm just excited to share it with everyone. I really, really hope that you guys were all inspired by Sandra's story and that you go for a walk or you go for a run and that you keep doing it the next day and the next day and the next day. And that you keep dealing with your crap that's between your ears, because that is what it's all about. It's about feeling good. It's about healing. It's about showing up for yourself and being consistent for yourself and developing that internal sense of self-confidence and joy, um, and trust in yourself. So thank you for setting that example. I really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much. And I can't wait for our part two. I know. I know the audience can't either. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the reshape your health podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and don't forget to tell a friend to learn more and connect online. Check out the links in the show notes.